0: Is crowdfunding something you should be considering for your small business? That's what we talk about this week in episode 33 of Social Media Simplified.
1: You're listening to Social Media Simplified with Lara Wellman, the podcast for business owners who want to harness the power of digital marketing to grow their business online.
0: I met Eden Spodak over five years ago at... A social media conference. And I was lucky enough to stay connected with her ever since. And I've seen how she's grown her business and all the fun things she's been doing. And recently, she's been doing a lot of crowdfunding with her clients. And so I thought it would be fun for us to have a discussion about crowdfunding and how or why it might be of interest to small business owners and what they need to think about. So let's jump
1: into that conversation.
0: Eden, thank you so much for joining me on the
1: podcast today. Oh, thanks, Laura. I'm really happy that you invited me to be here.
0: I'm going to get you to start off by just telling us a little bit about who
1: you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Eden Spodek, and I own a company called Eden Spodek, Inc., and we essentially provide digital communications and social media marketing services, everything from strategy to relationship and community building to content development and execution and uh, training and coaching.
0: Awesome. And today we're going to talk about something that I know you have a really big interest in, which is crowdfunding.
1: Yes, I do. And and fortunately, you were one of the people who helped make my first foray into crowdfunding in a, with a Kickstarter campaign a little uh, over a year ago, uh, the success that it was.
0: Oh, that's great. And that was exciting. That's one of the first things I ever invested in, in terms of a crowdfunded uh, project.
1: Oh, wow. That's great. That's good to know. I feel really good about that. <laughs>
0: Well, since, since we, we talked about that, let's quickly talk a little bit about why crowdfunding might be something that people would be interested in. But also, let's just start off by talking a little bit about that project, because first of all, I thought it was super fun. Uh, that's why I bought into it. But then that gives us a little jump start into why a business might use crowdfunding.
1: Sure. So I can, I can talk a bit about it. And just uh, by saying a, about a year and a half ago, because the founder of the product was, was proactive and did his research, um, he approached me, which became about a good six months before he launched his campaign. And he said, hi, uh, I got your name through a mutual contact and I'm interviewing people right now. I'm looking for somebody who wants to take a journey with me. I've uh, developed this product that there's nothing like it in the marketplace. It's for kids and family to both enjoy and appreciate traditional reading and storytelling from a print book and incorporate that with where the world is going online and having a shared experience together that incorporates online gaming, real world, world activities, and the physical book. And he said, are you interested in taking this journey with me? And we had a couple meetings and then he basically hired uh, me to help him on pretty much every facet with the exception of product development of his campaign. And and the campaign was for Imaginary Friends, now renamed Together Tales. And Evan Jones is the founder. And essentially what he did long before he even came to me, which was six months before the campaign launched, he did a whole whack of research on what's involved in crowdfunding, what the best practices were, who he needed to have in place in terms of The team, because you really it does take a village, and you really need a team to help you every step of the way. And he sought after people who he felt had different qualities that they could bring to the table to help make the campaign a success. Uh, I should add, though, he also has a service-oriented business that he was where he was able to take his existing uh, team and get them heavily involved. So, for instance, we had a web developer. We had uh, graphics, you know, any t- at the drop of a hat, if we needed graphics or any kind of imagery, we could request them and we could do a lot on the fly with an existing team who was very dedicated and, and everybody felt um, very entrepreneurial about it and like we all had a stake in the success of the campaign.
0: Great, so what he was able to do with crowdfunding is take this idea that was fairly complex, right? because this product involved apps, it involved yes. products, it involved extra little goodies that the kids got to play with. It is really a lot of fun, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes because I think it's fun for parents to check out, but that by crowdfunding he was able to get the
1: funds to produce all of that. exactly. He was able to get the funds to to produce to produce it.
0: So what kind of business owners would want to look into crowdfunding? Because it's great if you have like a physical product like that, that requires a lot of funds, but are there other reasons that a smaller business that doesn't really want to get into this huge production kind of thing would want to look into crowdfunding?
1: Yes. And I should add that he, he is a small business. He's a, he uh, is a parent of two kids and he had a passion for storytelling and for seeing the stories come to life in different ways and sharing the way that he told his stories to his children and where he integrated different aspects of their life in the world online and off into the process. So that, that's really where he came up with the idea. In terms of people who who have small businesses who may not have a product, they may be involved in, in um, cause marketing, for exa- example, or something may happen, like somebody they know is in, is in a difficult situation and they want to help bring a community together to help raise funds to support that person during a tough time. For instance, I've known people who've been out of work and haven't had money to pay their rent, or people who have a serious accident or illness where they need help paying their health care expenses and or keeping their family afloat while they're incapacitated from work. And so people use different crowdfunding platforms for that. And another type of, of I guess it would go in the product category But it's a little bit different than something as tangible that that the backers and those are the people who contribute money to these campaigns would actually get a piece of would be um, artists and filmmakers. So there's a lot of crowdfunding really got into the the public awareness with um, filmmaking. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, but the highest at the time, the most successful crowdfunding campaign ever was uh, the Veronica Mars movie.
0: Yes. Yes, I do
1: remember that. So you'll see a lot of artists. And and the other thing, the other reason that it's not all about raising the funds to see your passion project become a reality, but often people will use crowdfunding to raise awareness for a product or service because there is a huge public relations and marketing value to it as well. So you'll see many people in crowdfunding because they need, they need the funds. You'll see many in it because they need the public relations and marketing value and you'll see some in it or many in it because they need both.
0: Yeah and I actually another um, campaign that or a project that I bought into later um, was for a product that already existed that was already in stores but I think that it definitely was just a PR thing for them and so I think that's important to consider you might want to do it to get the funds to start up you might need it to get the funds to do something else or just to grow to another level.
1: Exactly, and there's different types of platforms that suit a variety of different needs. So it's really important to, to not just say, oh, you know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, they're the cool the cool kids on the block. We have this neat idea; we should go forge into it. You should really explore and investigate what the best uh, type of platform for you is. For instance, if you're a writer or uh, a podcaster like uh, Jesse Brown with Canada Land, you may want to look at something like Patreon. Where uh, different writers and artists who have something that's, that's tangible, but their backers don't own it in the same way, but they can help to contribute to keep that writing the book or publication, uh, which may be in the form of an online magazine, for example, or a podcast alive as well.
0: Patreon is a really good example, actually, and I hadn't really thought of it in this scope of crowdfunding. But so, for those who don't know, it's a a place where you're able to commit certain funds every time somebody p- creates a new piece of content, right? So, if some if I decided to be on Patreon, then I could say every time I create a new podcast, maybe you'll give me a dollar, maybe you'll give me five dollars, maybe you'll give me ten dollars, and depending on how much money you give me, you'll get different perks. Is that right?
1: Uh it is and it's sort of I don't know if you remember the chip-in, I don't even know if we still have those chip-in um, jars that people used to put on their website and say, if you really like the content on my blog or you like my podcast, you know, give me the money that you'd take to buy your latte and just add it to the chip-in jar. Uh I would say Patreon is is more of an organized uh, version of that, and you can even subscribe to it. So for instance, I think Canada Land, I forget the I I think they started at something like nine ninety five a month. It might have been four ninety five. I can't remember the amount off the top of my head at the moment. But you could actually subscribe and a certain amount of money would be transferred every month to Canada Land through Patreon on your behalf.
0: There was a band that I was funding on Patreon called Walk Off the Earth, which is a Canadian band. So every time they had a new video come out, they got, I think it was a dollar from me. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun, a fun way to support people.
1: It is. And, and, you know, often when it comes to something like that or a movie, you might get your name listed, for instance, in the credits of a film. All right. Well, so
0: let's take a step back. If I'm thinking about crowdfunding um, for anything, whether it be a small product, whether it be a fundraiser, whether it be just, you know, money to sustain me, what do I need to start thinking about? Like, where do I start?
1: Okay. what you need to start thinking of, I think there's there's several things you need to do. But I think first and foremost, you need to start with yourself. And know that you, as the center of this project, the founder of the product or service, the heart and soul of it, need to be dedicated to the project and its livelihood. For all the pre-planning phases and the actual duration of the project, I've seen several founders and/or investors. Because sometimes I'm contacted by people who are heavily invested investors. I don't know if that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes some of these people will have an investor that goes that's outside of the backers, but the the founders need more money in order to to see their projects come alive. And often these investors will also help them with business strategy and. Um, helping them just to make sure that they have something that they can actually offer other people who people will want to pay for. What you really want to do is make sure that you're dedicated, because I'll tell you, it takes a lot of planning. Sometimes people think, oh, I can, with a few exceptions, there are some platforms where you don't need the planning. But if you have a product or if you have a product that you want to take to market, for example, and you know that you want to go to a platform like, like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, for example, you want to be planning at least six months ahead and you want to have a community in place. You don't want to just launch your social platforms, for example, when you launch your campaign. You want to have your community built before you press go. You want to have an email list because what you need to do in order to be successful is you really have to aim to get at least 30% of your funding target backed within the first 48 hours of the campaign launch. And you've got to be there. People want to see that founder, that CEO, that owner, that artist at the heart and soul of the campaign. So you really have to be there and dedicated 24-7. I've had, you know, people who've come to me and they say, so I'm John Doe and I'm backing Susie Q. And Suzy Q has this great, film she wants to make and show how she does such great work in the community and yada, yada, yada. But it takes her a lot of money to create her art. And we've got a great video highlighting her that we can you know use to market the campaign and to put on the platform. But then I say, well, where's Suzy Q and all this? And why isn't she in the meeting? Well, Suzy Q is not really comfortable with people and building relationships and being front and center. And I'll say, well, you know, right away, That is one of the big factors in the success. And until we can convince Susie Q that she needs to be dedicated and on this for the entire campaign, you may want to look at other ways to raise funds.
0: So, I mean, that's a great point. That means that if you are interested in doing something like this, you can't just delegate it to somebody else. You need to be involved. You need to be making the relationships happen, right?
1: Absolutely. And you need to really be building those relationships long before you launch your campaign and I think that's you know so those two things are the things that get in the way of people's success with a crowdfunding campaign
0: so not being involved themselves great so you know you mentioned something that brought me to the next point that I was thinking about how important is the video part
1: the video part is incredibly important you basically have you know a minute or two to, well, actually, with a video, you've got about the first 10 to 15 seconds to engage a viewer, but it's the video that you create for your campaign that is going to be what gets it noticed. Yeah, because so. I
0: feel like it's always been the video, right? Like, it's great. It, it, the video is what has to capture me. And then after, I'll read what all the extra stuff is. But that's the first and most important thing when I've seen one. So I just wanted to see if that's how you felt about them in general. Yes,
1: the video is very important. I mean, there's there's a whole set of content pieces that you need to create for your campaign once you've decided that's the route that you want to take. And the video is critical. And there's also a fine balance between not looking too overly polished but being polished enough so that people have confidence in your ability to produce the product or service that they're backing.
0: Okay. So it shouldn't just be me in front of my laptop talking.
1: Unless for some, unless you're somebody like a Gary V or Oprah. Oprah, (laughs) Okay. Probably not. Okay. You have a fabulous personality that comes across really well and you're great at entertaining others and bringing that passion across and you can get away with the talking head then go for it. But if you're like most people, you probably want a combination of things. You want, to sh- you want to let people see the passion that you have and make them understand how you've been able to take that passion into something that's going to produce something that they're going to love, that's going to solve a problem that they have and show, you know, you want to show as much of the product development to date as you can or the prototype or whatever you have that will make it more tangible for the viewer.
0: This brings me back to, and it's come up a couple times, right? So six months, you need at least six months to prep. This isn't the kind of thing where you think, you know what? Today I feel like starting something. I'm going to set up this website. I'm going to get some crowdfunding and then, you know, I'll get enough money to be able to create my product. Instead, no, you need a plan. You need to think about it. You need to have thought through the whole marketing process. You need to have come up with your community and your video. So all that needs to come way before you actually set up that first um, page and start promoting it.
1: It does, and your email campaign. I mean, and, and things are getting tougher every day in, in North America in terms of who you can email. So what you really want to do is you want to make sure that you have an email list that complies with uh, Castlevier in Canada or the Can, uh, can Spam in the U.S., and that you are you know you have a list that's entirely clean with as many people as you can possibly get, because that's you will find is going to be your bread and butter in the first seventy forty eight to seventy two hours of your campaign
0: right, makes sense yeah, okay. so are there any other mistakes or tips that you would give people that they need to think about before they start getting ready to do a crowdfunding campaign
1: i mean you want you want to have a plan? You wanna make sure that you have at least a third of your funding accounted for before you even launch.
0: So does that Which mean sounds that ridiculous you, but sorry, so does that mean you've already talked to people you know that they're gonna be contributing? Is that what you mean by that?
1: You may have already talked to them. You you probably have engaged with them in some way, probably talking face to face or by phone or over email and trying to get as close to a guarantee as possible from people that they're gonna contribute and you've gotta feel confident. Which also speaks to, which we haven't discussed at all, is the whole goal setting, you know, your target for your campaign, which is a whole other issue. But you want to make sure that whatever that goal is, that it's not only realistic in terms of helping you bring your product to market or ensuring that your product will come to market, but also that you have a large enough community and interest to raise at least 30% of what that target is before you hit go. So there's several reasons. Studies have, of uh, other uh, crowdfunding campaigns have shown that those campaigns that are most likely to succeed are the ones that are fully funded within the first 48 to 72 hours. And the other thing is that that once you can raise at least 30% of your funding target within that time frame, the um, most crowdfunding platforms, and especially uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo are known for this, will give your campaign prefer, often give your campaigns preferred placement. Right. So the quicker you can raise those funds and the closer you can even get, even if you get to 100% within those first three days, the more that they will do organically to help you reach and exceed your goal and make your campaign, help make your campaign a success. So you wanna do everything you possibly can to get that campaign promoted on people's radar and go beyond your community as well.
0: Right. That's a great tip. Absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, like we could, you know, there's the whole perks section, which we also haven't talked about. How much do you need to incentivize people jumping in? Do you, do you do anything special? Do you have any tips on that?
1: You need to, you need to have a lot of incentives. You need to think about something that's very, very low hanging fruit, just so that people feel like, They can contribute in some way, even if it doesn't mean that they get the product, but maybe, you know, as low as a dollar or five dollars, just so you have those backers and build the momentum. And often what can happen is during the the span of a campaign is that people can change the amount of money they're using to back the campaign. So often you might see people are contributing a token amount so that they can either say, hey, we've backed campaign X or so that they get all the updates from the campaign founder because most platforms will allow you to send updates through the platform to the backers of your campaign and they want to keep on top of things. But what what else happens, especially towards the last two to three days before the campaign ends, is that often those people on the low end will convert their um, the amount that they're backing and back you with more dollars. The other thing that people can do is they can also remove their funding prior to the end of the campaign. And depending on the platform that you're using, if you, for instance, with a Kickstarter, you have to raise all or nothing. You can exceed your goal, but if you, re- if you raise less than that, then nobody contributes any money to your project and you walk away with nothing, not even the contact information for the people who have backed your campaign. So that's starting on the low end. Best practice is to have somewhere in the vicinity of six to eight rewards for your campaign. On, I'm using Kickstarter and Indiegogo because they are the most popular and probably the most complex. And generally for, the, for both of those platforms, you would have six to eight different reward levels. And you have to think about it in terms of the mathematics that are gonna help you reach your goal when you're coming up with the different amounts and having quantities of each amount. So sometimes you'll have a reward where you'll say for this reward level, there's only 10 people who can access this, or you might have a reward level that's your highest reward might be in the, let's say, between five, ten thousand dollars. And you may say only one person will get this reward and this is what it is, and it's something really custom. And at face value you may say, you know, this is really crazy. Is somebody really going to want to contribute? Eight or five, eight or ten thousand dollars to my campaign for a product that that retails, let's say, for forty dollars or a hundred dollars or whatever. But you'd be surprised if you make the reward something that speaks to a need or a passion in another person. You may actually get that person to invest in your campaign. So, for example, I, I know of of real life examples where uh, when it comes to let's say a film or a, a book opportunity the founder will say okay for the top reward you can have a walk on speaking part in my film and that top reward will cost you $10,000 and there may be somebody who's always wanted to be in a movie and they'll say okay great i'm i have the money i'm going to back you with that and they do because i've seen it i've seen it happen i've seen writers aspiring writers who say I, you know, I have this fabulous idea for a book and I see that you have a publishing platform and I want to be part of that. So I'm gonna get in with the highest reward. The, the tricky thing is sometimes as the, the founder of that project, you just you know, you don't know until until the lever <laughs> is pulled off if uh, that person's gonna stay with you. Right. So you also want to really try to hedge your bets by going above and beyond. What your target is, and and you have to think before you even launch what you're going to have as stretch goals and what you're going to offer the community when you hit those stretch goals. So gee, we're getting into so many things. That I, know, I'm thinking, and and, I know, and above and beyond. I know. I think we between that talk one dollar, you know, and ten thousand dollar amount, you want to have all these other amounts that are are reasonable that have an offer. You know, what you may want to do is let's say you're bringing a product to market that that post campaign it's going to retail, let's say, for forty nine ninety nine. But you can say to people, "Okay, if you back me for this product now, you uh, get in early. If you back me within the first three days of the campaign, or if you're one of the first 25, that better example would be to say, if you're one of the first 25 people to back me at, you know, this tier, you can buy this product for 34.99 instead of 49.99." And people go crazy for that, right. and they will make their contribution then and there on the spot. And then often there's, there's add-ons, you know, maybe you'll get stickers, maybe you'll get your name mentioned on the box, um, maybe you'll get t-shirts, there's, there's a lot of different types of things, maybe you'll get a print of a piece of artwork or something that, that speaks to the product, service or cause that the person's raising money for. You might get to have an hour-long chat with an author, for example.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different options. And I think, you know, we could talk about this for much longer, but we're running out of time. So what I'm going to say is that how can people get in touch with you? How can they find out more about talking to you if they have more questions?
1: Sure, people can find me by coming to my website, which is edenspodek.com. And uh, I also am offering right now, absolutely free of charge, a 30-day crowdfunding toolkit and if you come to my website you'll see a few blog posts about it and you'll probably also see uh, an easy way there to subscribe to the toolkit as well and uh, basically once you subscribe you'll start getting access and there's all kinds of tips and tools and It's my way of giving back and sharing the knowledge that I've gained through this campaign process because so many people have come and asked me for things and they're not really sure how do we build that community, how do we set budget. I have a great product or service uh, or a great cause to fund, but I'm not really sure how to build that community. So all of that comes into play in the toolkit and there's a lot of tips and tricks. And the other thing is if, for instance, you just want to learn how to build community uh better and you're not even thinking of a crowdfunding program at this point in time you may find that some of the contents helpful as well and all that you have to do in return is give me your email address
0: Excellent. Well, I will link directly to that in the show notes, because I think there are a lot of reasons that crowdfunding is at least worth investigating, right? It's worth thinking about whether it be like all those reasons we talked about getting enough money to get a new product off the ground, maybe raise money for a charity that you care about, maybe just get a little bit of a PR boost. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today, because I think this was really valuable content.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And and the other thing that uh, we should mention is that some of you who are listening out there may have services that you can offer to uh, friends or potential clients who are thinking of launching a campaign too. So, this is a really great way, you know, this information is a good way for you to understand more about how you can help others too.
0: That's right. We could have done two whole shows on this, Eden.
1: (laughs) I was worried we wouldn't have enough for one.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I will link to everything in the show notes.
1: Oh, you're so welcome, Laura.
0: I hope you got a lot out of that interview. I think crowdfunding is a really interesting option and there are a lot of things that you need to think about and get prepared for before you launch a campaign. But that being said, it can really help you do a lot of great things, whether it be with a product, to raise money for a cause, or to help you do something virtually. I will link to Eden's website in the show notes and I invite you to come on over to the show notes at larawellman.com slash podcast 33. Let me know if you have any thoughts, if you would ever start crowdfunding something, and if you have ideas for future episodes. So again, come on over larawellman.com slash podcast slash 33. There are also links there in the show notes so that you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And until next time, I'll see you online.